This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Today we continue our series with the Samaritan women on human trafficking. And one of the things I've learned in this series is that the Samaritan women and its Institute for Shelter Care based in Baltimore, Maryland, but their ministry doesn't stop in that city. In fact, uh, they're multiplying their shelter care system and mentoring others who want to start shelters. So we're going to learn more about that today from our guest, Calvin Fanning, right after this important message. Domestic sex trafficking is being called the human rights crisis of our times. This insatiable and unrestrained trade takes a child of God and turns that person into a product, destroying them physically, mentally, spiritually. Can you even imagine the level of abuse and isolation a victim experiences? The Samaritan women can. They have been serving victims of sexual exploitation for over 12 years and are joining us at Charisma to share their experiences and call the faithful to rise up against this evil. We have to address the demand and prevent further victimization. We also have to stand in the gap for those who have already suffered horrific abuse. The Spirit has moved the Samaritan women to raise up qualified shelters across the nation. So when that one child, that one woman, is able to leave, there's a qualified Christian program ready to receive them. Please join us in this important series and prayerfully consider lending your support. To learn more, visit sheltercareusa.org. Calvin Fanning, we welcome you to Charisma Connection today. Thanks so much, Chris. Well, we had you on the show one other time with your uh, founder of the Samaritan Women, Jean Allert, and uh, now we get to speak to you on your own. So you, you've got to hold up your end of the bargain here, Calvin. I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm sure you'll do fine. Well, first of all, we want to remind our listeners that the Samaritan Women has a long-term restorative care program that serves trafficking victims from across the country. And the Institute for Shelter Care is where Calvin spends his time and energy, and that is part of the Samaritan Women. So let me tell you a little bit about Calvin. He serves as the Director of Shelter Mentoring, overseeing the training and mentoring initiative, and they seek to equip and establish shelter programs across the country. Now, what I find interesting about Calvin is that he has a BA in anthropology with minors in psychology and Arabic. So do you get to use much Arabic at the Institute, Calvin? You know, you'd be surprised. Oh, really? Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> well, maybe you bring in the whole package and it, and it serves you well uh, in your current role. When did you start working with the Institute? I began with the Institute, so we formed the Institute as an initiative at the beginning of 2019, but before that, I've been with TSW for about two and a half years, so about uh, since 2017. TSW being the Samaritan Women. The Samaritan Women, yes. Okay, okay, very good. So shelter planting is a term that I've heard that you use. I know what church planting is, but where does shelter planting come from, and what does that mean? Well, you hit the nail on the head. The inspiration for shelter planting was actually taken from church planting. Mm -hmm. um, so a little bit of my unorthodox background was in church planting in North Africa. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that Arabic for you. Mm -hmm. um, so taking from some of those ideas that I learned from, some of the relationships that we have uh, with our local church, 
uh, we looked at organizations like um, Stadia Church Planting or Orchard Group, if you're familiar with those, and um, just kind of saw what they were doing to cultivate um, kind of a call to church, to plant churches, both here in the U.S. and abroad, um, to increase that access. Um, like we said in, in some other episodes, our, our vision is to see increased access to services for victims of domestic sex trafficking. And our solution to that is just to see more shelters. Um, there aren't enough, uh, but we want to see more planted, and we want them to be planted in a unique way. So we don't want to franchise what we've done in shelter care, but we do want to teach people what we've learned um, so that they can take it and contextualize it in these different areas around the country that need it most. Mm-hmm. So who is it out there in the U.S. who wants to plant shelters, and how do they connect with you? Well, I think... Shelter plants are for everyone um, or anyone, much like uh, people who are called to plant plant churches. Um, but most of the time, it's someone who just feels that call. Um, maybe they've they've heard a story uh, of a victim who hasn't been served, or um, many people are called whenever they hear someone speak uh, who's already done shelter planting or has run a shelter care program. A lot of times, it's individuals. Um, a lot of times it's women, but I, I'm a huge advocate that this is not just a women's issue. Um, so we have seen men uh, kind of lead the charge in, in planting that shelter that uh, that can serve victims. Um, we've seen couples plant together, and we've seen um, shelter plants come out of churches, uh, out of an existing church ministry. So it can really be a myriad of, uh, of, of individuals or groups, but uh, um, the heart behind it is those people who have felt called. Um, there's some sort of uh, God calling, much like people get that call to foreign missions. Um, these people have been touched in some way, um, and God just called them, and they said yes. Um, so it, uh, the landscape is very diverse. Uh, we frankly like to see it more diverse, um, but it can be anyone. So anybody hearing this, anybody hearing a speaker um, could be called. So uh, the shelters that you have through Samaritan Women are just for women, but when you uh, train other people who want to plant their own shelters, it could be for women or men who, or children, I suppose, who are victims. Definitely. So we historically have served um, exclusively women, but two of the most underserved populations are children and men. Um, Most people are surprised to hear that men are victims of human trafficking and sex trafficking, Um, but there's a growing demand for men. there's a growing demand for uh, people who identify with the LGBTQ community, um, and that's also an underserved population. So we do hope that um, as people learn more about this, they will start to serve kind of the underserved of the underserved. Mm-hmm. So as part of this initiative, the Institute for Shelter Care has its mentoring program. What exactly does that look like? Uh, well, it's, it's one of our, our most comprehensive programs. So, um, like I said, for those who, who kind of feel this tug, most people don't know where to start. So it might be a single individual who says that they want to respond to um, serving this population. So um, if, if, they are, if they do find us through our website or some of the marketing that we're doing in our, our church relationships, um, they start into our shelter mentoring program, which is a three-phase um, all kind of an all-inclusive intensive program um, where we walk them through starting their shelter from start to finish. Um, so in the first year, it's our most intensive phase. Uh, we call that our training phase, where they learn everything from building out their mission and purpose uh, to deciding what population they're going to serve 
how to build their board, um, how to identify staff members, how to build community support and develop funds, um, all the way through to, to all the way down to serving individual victims. Um, so we always say we start with the foundation, which is your organization, um, and then we can build your program on top of a firm foundation. So that's when you start to consider what kind of therapy you'll do, um, what kind of group activities you'll do with your residents and things like that. So that's the first year. And then after that, uh, we continue to walk with our mentees more in a consultative way. Um, so as they start to, to encounter the challenges of, of garnering community support or creating their uh, the weekly schedule for their residents, we can help them with that in any way that they need, um, including some site visits to, to their location so we can see what their property looks like and give recommendations. Um, and then all the way through to their third year where they have started to serve victims. Um, typically, there's a turning point when you start ac accepting people into your program and um, things aren't quite what you expected. So we're, we're there to hold their hands, essentially, and, and give them their best chance of success. Uh, I bet it doesn't look like they expect, <laughs> even though they've Definitely had a, a couple of years of training. We, we liken it to having your first child. So mm. that gives you any indication of the surprises that come your way. <laughs> and maybe they don't get much sleep either. Absolutely. <laughs> so if someone is interested in being a part of the shelter planting initiative, where do they start? So that is the question I get most often. Um, we do have certain requirements to be part of the shelter mentorship program, but there's a lot that's involved um, to get to that point. So like I said, we often um, have that one individual who says, I want to respond. How do I start? So I always say start with educating yourself. Um, there are a lot of resources out there, and many of them we've been able to compile on our website, uh, sheltercareusa.com. Um, and we have a kind of a resources for uh, deciding what avenues you're going to take to get into, to get into this. Um, there's a huge discernment piece. It's a very big commitment. And um, I often compare it to committing to going and doing foreign missions because it truly is um, kind of a, a dedicated piece of your life, uh, in your entire life, really. Um, so those resources help you move through uh, discerning if this is what you're really supposed to do. And, uh, and, and may I say that, and may I also say that this is kind of a foreign missions thing for many people who haven't, you know, grown up in an abusive situation and they're entering into, you know, the trafficking world. I mean, that is foreign. Absolutely. There's, uh, we've, <laughs> there's even cultural and language barriers when you're working with a population that's so far removed from your experience in life. Um, mm -hmm. So there is, there's certainly some shock involved, and um, I would recommend preparing yourself as much as possible, reading some of those stories about, about victims and what their life was like and how truly difficult it is to reintegrate into what we would call a normal lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you see as the church's role in all of this? I mean, whether that be denominations or individual congregations? I think that this is, there's a huge gap in shelter care, and uh, our vision is that the church will fill it. Uh, so whether that's at an organizational level um, and a church deciding that they will take a stand against this and and put their time, talent, and treasure towards creating shelters, um, or supporting an individual who has identified um, with the call to plant a shelter. It's much like um, these missions conferences that we go to, that I grew up going to, where 
um, people would go down to the front and make a commitment to serving foreign missions, and they go back and tell their church, and their church supports them. The call is the same. Um, the church can can nominate or identify people in their congregation who would be well suited to this, um, or they can again just as a church entity can take it on as a, a church-wide project. Um, so again, the, the focus is shelters. Um, a great place to begin is to reach out to us, um, and we can kind of tell you what that looks like. But there really is a place for everybody, um, every group, every entity, every individual. Um, so again, I would encourage everybody to explore some of the, the resources on our website just to get an idea of what that really looks like to engage as the church. Very good. It's uh, nice for the individuals not to be on their own out there, right? They really need a lot of support for this kind of thing. And that's what we found in the early years of doing this, that um, most most shelter planters, most shelter operators were and have been in a silo. So they're doing it um, without support and without um, kind of the the camaraderie that comes with uh, the expressing challenges to people in the same situation. Um, and that's a lot of where this was born out of. We we refer to the people in our mentorship program as a cohort because they get to go through it together. Um, so our, the, the current mentees that we have last year and this year um, are doing this arm in arm. They're in four different states, but they have the support of each other. They have shoulders to cry on. They have people to tell their struggles and stories to. Um, and it is, it is um, probably the biggest asset that we have is doing this together. I'm sure it is. So... Calvin, as we close, what kind of takeaways do you have for our listeners? I mean, how can they get involved? We talked about it a little bit broadly, but is there something that they can do even today or this week to, you know, get oriented to this, to see what God might have them do? Yeah. Um, for those who are interested in um, even pursuing pursuing what the sacrifice would be like to plant a shelter, we have... Um, a tool on our website called Discerning Your Yes, uh, because we realize just how difficult it is to um, kind of allow your heart to sink down into the depths of this dark issue and really come to terms with what it would mean to um, to work in this field, to work with this population, um, even to experience what they went through. Um, so again, uh, definitely start with that education piece on an individual basis and, and learn more about um not just what these victims go through, but what it looks like for them to come out of it, um, mm-hmm. and what it looks like for you as a as a as a Christian, as somebody who's um, trying to share the love of Christ, what the sacrifice is on you whenever you are um, kind of taking their hand through that process. And mm-hmm. even for those who aren't called to do the work, um, I think it's important to understand so that you can know how to support people who are. Yes, and. Even if you, you know, don't know personally the people who are starting these shelters, is there a way to connect with them uh, that that's an individual in a totally different state could support them? Absolutely. So we have a—we're uh, connected with a network of shelters across the country um, that for those, you know, if, if someone is in Iowa, we can connect them with the local shelter in Iowa. Um, so part of our our initiative is just to keep in touch and keep relationships with those. So if anyone is interested in contributing, um, kind of being the, the armor bearers for those who are doing the work, um, absolutely reach out to us at, um, at the Samaritan Women, and we can, we can definitely help you contribute to them um, in whatever way you're feeling led to. Oh, that's great. 
Okay. Well, we want to give the website, and you can go to sheltercareusa.org if you want any of this information or to connect to the Samaritan women. Uh, that's sheltercareusa.org. Anything else you'd like to add, Calvin? No, I think that's it. I, again, just encourage everybody to go and learn more on their own. Um, yeah, that's There's our, a lot to learn, the isn't there? Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, and if they would like to go back and, and look at the rest of, and listen to the rest of this series, they can do that. Um, just look for the Samaritan women, and we're going to have uh, seven parts to this series because there is certainly a lot to learn. So we thank you, Calvin Fanning, for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this special series on human trafficking here on Charisma Connection. And be sure to check out those other episodes at cpnshows.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.